You are listening to a podcast produced by the Jackson School of International Studies and the Ellison Center for Russian, East European, and Central Asian Studies at the University of Washington. This and other podcasts can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information, visit us at jsis.washington.edu forward slash Ellison Center. Thank you very much for coming uh, to this talk with Oliver Reiser. This was uh, made possible by uh, Mary Childs, a professor in the UW Department of Comparative History of Ideas. Um, I'm Phil Flyan with uh, the Associate Director of the Ellison Center for Russian, East European, and Central Asian Studies. This is Scott Radnitz, our faculty director. Um, and over here is Val Petrova, who is our outreach coordinator. Um, so we just want to thank Mary very much for making this possible, for bringing Oliver here. and. Um, hand off to her. Okay. okay, thank you. And I would actually like to thank the Ellison Center and the, the Department of Comparative History of Ideas for helping to bring Oliver all all here once I suggested it to Professor Rednitz. Um, just by way of introduction, Oliver received his PhD in 2004 um, from George Georg August University in Gerdigen, Germany, um, on a dissertation researching the Georgian national movements collective biography. Um, he has been living in Georgia for the last decade, working on a variety of working in a variety of capacities for World Vision International on a civic integration project um, in Samska Javacheti and Kvemo Kartli, um, and as a project manager for the EU delegation to Georgia. And he comes today as a scholar and professor lecturer at Ilya State University in Tbilisi, where his research and teaching interests include remembering the Soviet past in Georgia, um, the Caucasus studies as area studies, and uh, forms and consequences of Europeanization in the Caucasus. Um, and with his talk today on the Sakturisi uh, mine, the controversy surrounding the, uh, the um, Sakdrisi mine, gold mine. Yeah. So that's all by way of introduction, and we should get started. We have about, yeah, we have 40, a time limit. Yeah, so yeah 40 we'll, minutes. 40 minutes, and then we'll have 15 minutes of questions afterwards. So, yeah. 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 Welcome. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation mm -hmm. and for the possibility. So I'm uh, uh, yeah, working at the EU delegation in Georgia, and at the same time also uh, teaching after work at the Ilya University. And the topic I've chosen today here is a kind of exem exemplary case of uh, um, at what kind of crossroads Georgia is uh, located at. So uh, you know, so since the end of the Soviet Union, a lot of transition and transformation was ongoing. And uh, uh, those decisions still are ongoing. And I would like today to present you something that was very important for the Georgian public for the last two years. And it shows exemplary, really, where Georgia stands in its development, uh, uh, what are the, the issues, and how uh, problems are addressed. And this is uh, the most uh, uh, visible in cases that are controversial. Yeah? So uh, you see here, this is a, a picture of uh, Sakdrisi, and what I will talk about in a minute. And here, this was at the entrance to the gold mine, to the oldest gold mine, as scholars say so, uh, from 5,000 years ago, 1,000 years older than the oldest one known so far in Egypt. So, and this, 
the topics of the presentation will be about this uh, Sakdrisi case. Um, so I prepared this for Georgia at the crossroads. So what kind of uh, crossroads are, are we talking about? So what are the choices that Georgia has to make as a new independent state after uh, the demise of the Soviet Union? Which roads are there really that are open to uh, uh, the Georgian society, to the political actors, to the social actors? And this is what I would like to discuss with you in the next uh, 40 minutes, really, who is acting here? Who is taking decisions? Uh, in what way? So to, to give you a short impression about uh, uh, the developments in, in Georgia, in a very concrete example. Yeah. Um, what is very important here to highlight a little bit, so the latest development that one of the uh, uh, first ever uh, done choices, a change of government by parliamentary election in Georgia was conducted in uh, October 2012. It was the first time that really by elections a government was changed. Uh, the ruling uh, United National Movement with uh, then President Mikhail Saakashvili was uh, voted out and replaced by the Georgian Dream Coalition led by a billionaire. Uh, Bidzina Ivanishvili. And this was really uh, something that needs to be appreciated because uh, Georgia in the 90s was facing a civil war, economic decline, uh, a lot of uh, problems really, poverty, unemployment. And here, uh, the most pressing, pressing issues like economic development and the creation of jobs are still uh, uh, unresolved are still uh, uh, quite uh, actual. And that's why also the issue of uh, uh, um, how is it with economic development and cultural heritage is uh, such a core issue where you can really exemplify the problems that uh, Georgia is facing today. With this shift in government, also there's a change in the policy approach, especially in economic policy, where uh, the United Nations movement was uh, very much for deregulating a market, uh, attracting a lot of foreign direct investments. The new government tried to uh, deliver on its uh, campaign promises and shifted more towards a redistribution policy, so uh, increasing social aid, trying to uh, uh, um, increase pensions, and so on and so forth. But this is a very challenging issue if there is not enough economic growth to finance this. And this is a, a, a part of a permanent debate in Georgia. And here, really, the, the point is how is really economic development related with uh, cultural heritage, with uh, that what uh, Georgia is well known for, because it is uh, Georgia really represents a kind of combination of uniqueness and diversity in the Caucasus. Maybe you, some of you have uh, uh, attended the course on, on Georgian cinema. It's somehow also represented there. Also, being a small country, you can find uh, the Caucasus mountain range with the diversity of valleys and uh, different uh, cultures in each of the valleys. They have the Black Sea coastline, uh, the curative climate and mineral waters, national parks, and several UNESCO heritage sites. Georgia has a long 
running history ranging back into ancient times, diverse culture and traditions with ethnic diversity, but also religious, linguistic diversity, and so on. And not to forget a delicious cuisine. I hope that we will have also the chance sometime to uh, try the cuisine and the Georgian wine. I heard that there is also available somewhere here yes. in Seattle. So if there's a possibility, try red wine. Highly recommended. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this all goes together with the so-called uh, world-famous Georgian hospitality, what is part of the Caucasian hospitality there, that makes it a really a very receptive country for a lot of tourists. And uh, also scholars, Fulbright scholars from the US and so on. So it's also a good place to do research, by the way. Uh, so claiming a history that goes back much, much further, some of the world's oldest hominid remains dating back over 1.8 million years have been found in Dmanisi. And Dmanisi is not far from the place I'm talking about today, really uh, in this Kremokartli bordering Armenia. I will have a map in a minute. Mm. So this is all is in a driving distance, 80 miles from Tbilisi or a little bit more. So within an hour, you can get there and uh, visit the site, visit uh, other historical uh, uh, remnants there. So it's really something, one of the resources that Georgia has and is proud of. So coming to uh, coming to the Sakdrisi case, you see here this is a, a photograph from from air. That uh, here we have this Sakdrisi, this old gold mine that you've seen, and but here is also mining ongoing already for copper and other uh, uh, minerals and so on that is really developing over the years. And it has a. It started already during the Soviet period, and uh, uh, continued also after the end of the Soviet Union. Um, this is how it looks like uh, from the air, and here you have a map. So here we have Georgia on the eastern Black Sea coast. Here is Tbilisi, and the Sakdrisi uh, site, archaeological site, is here. So bordering Armenia, here's Azerbaijan, here's Turkey. So it is a little bit a remote region, but the nicest places in Georgia are really, so cultural sites and so on, are in remote areas because that's how they survived. Yeah? And of course, being not that easily accessible. So having a short overview about really, it started in the 1940s that the Soviet Union, the Soviet power uh, got interested in this area and uh, approved in 1956 mining. So it, when it started, there was a special settlement established nearby in this Madniuli mining complex, really so-called a mono-settlement, only depending on the economic exploitation of this area for mining that creates, after the end of the Soviet Union, created a lot of economic distress and problems. And uh, this is something that really is uh, playing also an important role for the actors in the Sakdrisi case. Then uh, uh, towards uh, the end of the Soviet Union, then this mining of Barit was ceased, but uh, that one for gold and uh, 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 
silver and so on continued. There was some privatized companies that took over the mining, so it's the Quartzi and uh, Ecology LTD that uh, uh, started continued. And the geologist who did uh, the uh, analysis of the ground found really some very special places there that they asked then the National Museum Archaeology Research Group to identify what was it. And they started really to uh, uh, investigate this together with uh, Germany, with German scholars from the German Mining Museum, funded by the German Volkswagen Foundation, one of the biggest uh, fund, research funding institutions, private research funding institutions in Germany, started in 2004 really investigating this Sagdrisi Balici Zedzwebi area. In 2005, then this Magniuli joint stock company and Quartz LTD were privatized and uh, became part of the Stanton Equities uh, Corporation, who was registered on the Virgin Islands, so offshore zone, and nobody knows who is, in, the, in fact, the owner of this company. And this is, uh, creates a lot of this intransparency of ownership, creates a lot of uh, uh, gossip and, and um, questions. So, yeah, who is behind this that uh, uh, developed later on? It is clear that a subsidiary is Russia's promission investor, so that Russia is uh, 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 has an economic stake here that uh, um, was. Uh, Creates also gives it a little bit a note uh, on uh, uh, the interest in in this area here. Mm. In 2005, then the first German-Georgian excavation at Sagdrisi started, and here really they found. Uh, uh, excavation materials, they found uh, instruments, they found uh, with uh, radio investigation, so the carbon, this uh, so how old it really was, this is how they managed so to date it really about 5,000 years ago, in the uh, fourth to second millennium before Christ era, and um, that is really something for them that they found it was really very unique. The Georgian National Museum archaeologists, together with the German archaeologists, really started to investigate. And then from 2010 onwards, there were also a lot of uh, publications about it. So in case you are interested in all the details that I skip here, uh, uh, because I'm not a specialist in archaeology, um, really, uh, you can find this. and, and uh, concerning the antiquity of the point. Because later on, when uh, we have, uh, in 2006, and also the ministry itself really ordered, granted the status of immovable cultural monument to this Sagdrisi uh, Kachagriani uh, site. So it means it was acknowledged as an historical site of uh, important value. However, in uh, uh, late in 2012, so after these elections of October 2012, there was a change of the owner in this uh, um, 
Capital Group, who purchased these two enterprises of Matt Newley, joint stock company, and this Quartzi Limited, and renamed it into RMG Copper Joint Stock Company, and the other one into RMG Gold Limited. And RMG Gold is the driving force that wanted then in the coming years really to uh, get the gold out of this mountain. Because if 5,000 years ago, there was not that much a possibility to dig deep into the mountain. So uh, they stopped at the, at the surface 15, 50 meters or 50 uh, meters below the ground. But there is an expectation that there are much more about 30 tons or so of pure gold there. And uh, so this is how the, uh, the Sagdrisi case started off, that uh, this RMG gold asked for the mining license to be extended to this area that was covered as an archaeological, as an historical site in uh, early in 2013 then, um, so in July. Yeah? And um, according to the procedure, there was a commission established that was based on its, uh, 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 that was uh, yeah, completed with archaeologists, uh, but also those that were paid for by RMG Gold. There was a conflict in this commission ongoing, but still the ministry in, uh, in uh, uh, July uh, 2013 um, abolished the status as, as an immovable monument. Uh, but, and then, then President Saakashvili approved it. So this was a period of uh, uh, yeah, change of power. So the, in the parliament, there was already a majority of the uh, um, Georgian Dream Coalition of the new, Vizina Ivanishvili and his team. And uh, the president was still in power from United National Movement until uh, presidential uh, uh, elections in October 2013. So there was an agreement. Or he, he approved this uh, abolishment of this heritage site. Uh, and that's so following that, uh, the Ministry of Culture and Monument Protection revoked the status of Sakdrisi as a mining industry archaeological zone. It means so the uh, limitations of economic exploitation were lifted. And this was the beginning of uh, also civil society organization together with these archaeologists that they went public really and uh, uh, looking into this case in, 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 in very detail. So there were a lot of NGOs, mainly from Tbilisi, watchdog NGOs that uh, did investigation so this is one publication also in, in English on Sakdrisi Kachakriani, from cultural heritage to contemporary gold mining. And the other one was from uh, the uh, NGO Green Alternative. This is an ecological environmental NGO that was uh, together with the Georgian Young Lawyers Association digging into uh, how far all these procedures that are <clears throat> given by the law, were really adhered to, and they found a lot of violations already during the privatization process and so on. So I can't go in all this detail, but I'm sure that this is also available in English online. So <clears throat> if you Google Sakdrisi, you will find probably a lot of these publications on this case. 
So this was then when really uh, it became a public debate between the Ministry of Culture, RMG Gold on the one side and the civil society activists on the others. Also inside the Ministry of Culture, there were a, a deputy, first deputy minister who's in charge of um, of cultural heritage protection, who very much was uh, really trying to defend this Sakdrisi case as a very exemplary case, but she was sidelined and later on also uh, um, dismissed as the first deputy minister. Mm. Yeah, so uh, uh, the, the situation escalated then in 2014 uh, when uh, the scientific research group of the Archaeological Research Center from the Georgian National Museum that is providing the expertise really tried then once again to get to secure Sakdrisi as an archaeological site to register it and to prepare the registration documentation for granting a status as a cultural heritage monument. On the other side, really, the Ministry of Culture and uh, uh, um, Monument Protection. Um, yeah, convened a strategic section of the Council of um, Protection of Cultural Heritage, which was an advisory body, not a binding one, but all of them really unequivocally recommended to grant the monument status, so to keep it. But uh, in vain, if I have to say, so that uh, uh, the deputy minister was then dismissed. The Ministry of Culture then gave uh, permission to RMG Gold to launch this open cast mining in this area, but this decision was successfully challenged uh, by the Georgian Young Lawyers Association at court for procedural violations. In the follow-up to that, the minister was replaced by a new one. Um, so it means that this uh, uh, Sakdrisi case, thanks to the activity of civil society actors and here really jointly ecologists, environmental NGOs, together with cultural heritage organizations like ICOMOS, Georgia and others uh, um, succeeded making it also in an international case. So archaeo societies for archaeology from Germany sent letters and uh, really uh, uh, asking for the to, to secure this site and to uh, keep it for the future in, in Georgia. We're already plans elaborated how to make it an economically sustainable site. So with a development plan for the local community and so on and so forth. Here, then the counter argument by RMG was that really they are the main uh, contributor of jobs in the region as the biggest mining company in, in the area. Also, uh, in terms of tax for the Kwemo Kartli region, for this area, also as an economic power that uh, says, so we need to do it for economic development. And the government supported this kind of argument. Very often, then it was questioned that was it really an historical site or not only a, a copper mine, not a real gold mine, and so on. This were a lot of arguments went back and forth on TV, on TV shows, and so on. So that this already uh, uh, 
and in the media was publicly debated. This is already a sign how Georgia developed. So uh, some years before this was not would not have been possible to have such kind of open debates, really contradicting government policy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then towards the end of 2014. Uh, um, uh, once again, RMG Gold requested the mining permit for Sagdrisi, and it was approved by the ministry and the National Agency for Cultural Heritage Protection, which was an uh, executive agency in charge, really, of taking care of all the heritage sites in Georgia. And within one day, really, this request was uh, 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 yeah, investigated and was approved, something that normally takes a lot of time, and given the high sensitivity of this issue in the Georgian society, really this is something that uh, created a lot of uh, uh, protest afterwards. So this was done on a Friday, and on a Saturday, and on December 13th, RMG Gold started really to, uh, yeah, I, we have it. Okay. So started really this uh, mining act, uh, excavations with blasting uh, at this Sagdrisi case. And uh, there is also, uh, since the activists had a camp nearby, so they really documented everything. And you will find a, a video of it also on how this was. And this, of course, created a huge outburst. Even uh, Patriarch uh, Ilya II of the Georgian Orthodox Court uh, uh, made a public statement that this is something uh, that should have been uh, 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 taken more care of and more carefully than in such a uh, haste really to uh, uh, take the decision and to start this mining. Yeah? So and blasting it because um, it means that these uh, remnants would be lost forever. So um, luckily, uh, the German um, mining museum and the archaeologists, they made a kind of, um, um, with lasers, so really they went into this uh, uh, mining and to preserve so that they have a laser picture of how it was. And this is available, so how, in what conditions it was, but the original site is uh, lost now and it, it's inaccessible uh, uh, for the moment really for, um, um, for for activists and for archaeologists, uh, um, in the, the civil society also managed in a in a, in a uh, very unique situation in the end of the December to win to convince the majority of uh, uh, MPs of members of parliament really to agree on. Uh, launching, uh, uh, establishing an investigation, ad hoc investigation commission on really procedural violations on the events of the Sagdrisi case, what was unique. So far in, in the previous years, the parliament very often was a rubber stamp parliament really uh, uh, um, that was not really known for uh, uh, controlling the government's activities. So here it was, uh, it was uh, with 58 against 57 votes, it was uh, uh, agreed to establish such an investigative commission. However, by February, there was uh, no commission really established yet. And uh, the situation is that so far, 
um, this commission is not not functioning or has not been really set up. Therefore, uh, the RMG Gold uh, uh, excavation uh, works continued, and here really it is that um, the hill is really completely destroyed. I will show you some pictures. RMG agreed with the Ministry of uh, Culture and Monument Protection to also with the uh, National Museum of Georgia to fund a museum that should be established at Bolnisi site. It's a, a local uh, uh, administrative center of Cuomo Cartley in the district where uh, these excavations were ongoing. And uh, um, there, um, the remnants of this site will be presented, made accessible to the uh, to the to the broader uh, uh, community. Mm. Well, a lot of statements launched by these NGOs like Green Alternative, ICOMOS Georgia, and others that really tried over the over the years really to fight for uh, uh, the preservation of this site because it was an exemplary case. Um, with this uh, 5,000 years, that it's not only important for Georgian national heritage, but for mankind. Yeah? So the oldest, uh, uh, presumably the oldest uh, heritage site of the world in this uh, kind of gold mining. There's other, other cases in Georgia, in Tbilisi, with uh, uh, old houses and old places that are being lost, or in other areas in Swaneti and so on, where similar processes are ongoing. So in that case, this controversy had a kind of exemplary, exemplary value for the debate of how to bring uh, a cultural heritage identity together with economic development. And this chance was not really used, I would say, uh, for the development of, of, of the country. So there was not a real choice elaborated. There were a lot of propositions and so on, but not uh, a clear uh, strategy. This was something that the Ministry of Culture started afterwards, after the experience of that they really misinterpreted the, the sensitivity of this case in the whole of society and launched in the beginning of 2015 a process of a cultural strategy for uh, up to 2025, where they try really to bring all the actors together in identifying an institutional uh, settlement of uh, how such kind of conflicts that will appear again and again in Georgia really need to be addressed. Of course, it's also not a good industrial uh, practice really to blast some uh, site that is uh, uh, highly sensitive and highly uh, 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 criticized in, in the public. And I think uh, RMG Gold is now really uh, ill-famous uh, as, as a destroyer of uh, this site. Here you can see that you have different kind of leadership styles that still coexist in Georgia. On the one hand, the uh, attempt really to adhere to procedures that are set by the legislation. But on the other hand, you have autocratic leadership styles, so top-down decisions that have to be executed by the ministry and, and sub-level uh, uh, sub entities, executive agencies, and how this all really is something that has not been uh, finalized yet. As a transition country, really, the, uh, 
is not the kind of uh, experience in how to uh, balance uh, um, different and competing interests in, in the Georgian society. So this is a kind of very first example of how important this might be then for consolidating Georgia as a society with its uh, multiple uh, cultural heritage and this uh, diverse interest between economic and, uh, um, and identity issues. So this is in a very short nutshell. Um, without going into all the details of legal procedures and so on, because I thought this is uh, more boring, but maybe you will have questions, and then I will try to do my best to answer those questions. Thank you for your attention. Did you have your quote? Ah, yeah, I, you're all right. I have, so just so I, before I left, I had a, a conversation with a, one of those activists, and she told me this, uh, uh, and I thought it's very, uh, yeah, it describes very well the uh, status. Yeah? So, of course, the civil society actors are disappointed with uh, that they could not prevent the uh, destruction of the site. However, I would think it was a very good practice in order that they achieved a lot. For two years, really, it was in the media. There is a heightened awareness about how to deal with heritage issues in the future, even if it's not yet institutionalized, but hopefully uh, uh, with a follow-up, if uh, staying really committed to uh, uh, ask the parliament setting up such a commission, really bringing that what was happening with violation of certain uh, uh, procedures before, uh, with a formal adherence to procedures, but not in the idea, in the principle of, of those procedures, giving them very short time period and not being really uh, uh, at the utmost uh, uh, transparent and involving a majority of actors. And I think this was a very good uh, conclusion from, from that side, yeah, what she gave. And here I have also uh, some pictures how this side looks today. Yeah. So therefore, I can only recommend visit Georgia as long really as all these sites are still before they are moved. Yeah. Of course, this is very specific, not in all parts of Georgia, but for example, in these uh, remote mountainous areas, uh, um, there are a lot of attempts to create hydropower plants to create energy that will be exported to Turkey because there are high demand of energy. And so creating uh, these remote areas that are unique sites of tradition and uh, of Georgian regional traditions in these mountainous areas really that uh, are endangered. Now, therefore, uh, the civil society was really very much uh, uh, taking this as a kind of uh, first example on. Uh, and how to mobilize and how to... How mobilize? They, they, are, they did a great job, I think. And you see really very detailed analysis of procedural mistakes and so on that the government had to respond to. Mm -hmm. Overall, these watchdog NGOs are growing stronger. Uh, it's more that in, in the regions where there's more social poverty and, and, and so on, they, they are, civil society is not that strong. And there were these arguments of uh, economic development of labor or employment and so on that were always 
try to br uh, to bring them to the fore, really to bring the local population on it. But uh, the, some part of the local population was very supportive to those protesters that were there out in the, in a tent camp. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. Again. Good day already. Um, like to open the floor to questions or comments. Yes. Yes, so interesting talk. I'm wondering um, what conclusions uh, we can draw about uh, civil society in Georgia from this case study. Uh, do you see this as part of a trend of greater civil society activism? And the people who got involved in this, um, from what you can tell, were they um, motivated more by the, the cultural implications of what was going on? Um, appreciation of Georgian history, or was it anti-capitalism, anti-corruption, because it's easy to get people mobilized uh, against corrupt politicians? There's, I think it's a mixture. So really that it was for the first time a, a broad coalition of NGOs, so uh, environmentalists and also cultural protectionists together joining forces. Then human rights organizations like the Georgian Young Lawyers Association providing the legal expertise so the, in, in terms of uh, uh, violations of procedures and so on. So really, uh, these are the privileged, so there's a very professional Tbilisi capital-based watchdog NGOs. Yeah, So you have growing civil society activism in the regions, but on a much lower level and less organized, less vocal, more like kind of self-help. And also they learned that with, as, with an NGO, you can apply for grants and so on, and this helps a lot, and this uh, grows, because the economic problem is still the number one problem in Georgia. So, and uh, But uh, there m might have been also opportunities to discuss really uh, how uh, uh, cultural heritage can be turned into a resource for economic and social development in the region. Yeah. So some of them came up with examples, with propositions. And here's really how the interaction between state agencies and civil society. Very fast it went into uh, into politics that they, yeah, that, that's the, the, the motivation for the preservation of this site was somehow neglected and they want to oppose the current, the new government. Yeah? So these were some arguments that were brought forward, for example. Yeah? But uh, in these NGOs that were active here with also funding of Open Society Georgia Foundation that uh, funded these publications uh, uh, are really more and more professional. Uh, this makes them also vulnerable. If you look at uh, in, in the broader society, the broader population uh, is not that actively involved in politics, in defending their uh, their interests and so on, in organizing themselves uh, in interest groups. So it's in, in Statu Nascendi, something that is developing, but not strong enough that really they could create sufficient pressure on the, on the parliament or on the government really to go on slowly, more slowly. Uh, probably the next Controversy that might come up with the hydropower plants will be a little bit different already, yeah, because also the government has to learn how to respond to that. And the Georgian government joined the 
uh, open uh, uh, democratic governance initiative, so really with transparent information, providing public information to the public and so on and so forth. This is really something that uh, uh, developed quite strongly also over the last two years. But they are also now critical, very critical in the uh, towards the end of the United National Movement, so the civil society was also very critical to United National Movement governance and was a very tense situation in this pre-election uh, campaigns and so on, a lot of pressures on activists of the opposition forces and so on and so forth. But uh, um, then the new government had to ex uh, realize that the civil society actors are also criticizing them. Uh, and still there's very uh, much this kind of uh, over-politicized environment that there are uh, principles or interest groups that have uh, a stake that they try to bring forward, notwithstanding who is in power. I hope that um, is somehow. It's not institutionalized that we have not really trusted formalized ways how to address conflicts. And this makes this all really very vulnerable and this is also why these civil society actors were so disappointed in the end. Mm -hmm. But that the Ministry of Culture realized that they have to ad address this somehow and then launched a huge campaign on how to deal with culture in, in, in the coming uh, 10 years is also that there is a response. Not that obvious, but uh, uh, certainly there is.